Welcome to Beers Business and Balls presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app to listen to Beers Business and Balls and thousands of other podcasts today. I'm Jake and that's Will. As usual, this is episode 63. We have an excellent two guests, I guess, uh, Tip Fairchild and former Patriots lineman Dan Copen, uh, host of the Past Our Prime podcast. We will talk all things football and podcasting with them, but we're week three of football season, Tondo, and I mean, I'm uh, I'm negative to start the year. I'm not doing well. Um, I My luck hinges on the Eagles winning tonight, and by the time the episode comes out, um you could all take expose me but i'm uh i'm not doing well i don't know about you yeah my betting's so so i mean i've had more luck in college football this year than nfl uh week two is better than week three couple couple just tough ones i mean obviously the giants blowing it the pats blowing it um there was just uh, just a wild set of games i mean chargers came back and won it Packers came back and won it. Rams blew out the Bucks. It was just a wild week three. It was a the Bengals Bengals upsetting the Steelers. That was yeah, the, the Steelers. Was the, the Steelers yeah, the, suck. That was the kick in the dick for all of it. But it was a it was an interesting week of football. I'm definitely going to need one of these um, pick 'em leagues to uh, bring me back up so I can win a couple hundred dollars because yesterday was not not a successful winning day whatsoever. No, I, first of all, fuck the Steelers. Let me just throw that out into the universe in case it needs to be said that like, just absolutely the Steelers can go fuck themselves. It's just, I mean, obviously losing TJ Watt is tough. And I think they broke a streak. It was like 75 straight games with a sack and they couldn't sack Joe Burrow and the Bengals offensive line, which is one of the worst in the league. Atrocious, but watching Big Ben out there, it's like, man, Time he to sucks. hang up the time to What hang happened to him? It's Did you like, see that video of him retreating back in the pocket and, just and he slipping, slipped? And just slipping. Dude. It's like, you know, Eli Manning did it right. There was the young quarterback that came in and he was like, you know what? Time's up. Let me go out gracefully, get one last win and not embarrass myself. He is now Giants fans. Respect him up, like respect him the most. It's like no negative stuff about Eli. It's like he went out gracefully and that's it. Philip Rivers, his time with the Chargers were done. He's like, yeah, I'll do one more season with the Colts. Did well, but he's like, hey, I don't want to embarrass myself. Time to hang up the cleats. Big Ben, it's like, oh my God. It's like we're beating a dead horse right now. And it just, it's sad. It's, it's, it's tough to see. It really is just tough to see. I, I'm, and this gives you an excuse to hate Big Ben for sure. But as if there weren't enough already, but I mean, it's like, the Steelers have, they're in this weird predicament where everyone coming into the year was like, oh, you know, it's their division to lose again. You know, they, they own the Browns still. The Browns are so much better than the Steelers wagon. over the past the couple of, right, over the past couple of games, we've seen it. Baker looks great. Odell's back. He had a pretty solid the game. The defense is uh, locked down. I mean, yeah, their Miles defense Garrett, is really Yeah, Miles, they had nine sacks yesterday, I think. Either Didn't nine, he have five of them? Five and a half five, five and a half, yeah. Nine Holy total shit. sacks against the Bears. Jadavian Clowney had two himself. It's uh, The Browns' defense is the one to have this year. Yeah. And, and like, you know, listen, Najee Harris, he is what he is. I never, I didn't think he should have been as drafted as high as he was in most fantasy leagues and stuff. And he's doing well, but I mean, the rest of this team, Juju's not even like 
balling out like he used to. Uh, this is – I love the fact that the Steelers are – are down. Um, sorry to lead with negativity in a show that closes with positivity corner, but I mean, it's like, this is what we've all been waiting for. Uh, the Steelers kind of suck and I'm here for it, which is lovely. Um, in our ball segment, we'll cover some more crazy stuff that happened this week in the football world. But for now, we're going to start as we always do. We're going to drink some beer, talk about it, review it, and go ahead and lead us into it. Yeah, so we stopped at Newport Craft, so shout out to Brendan O'Donnell as always this past weekend. Um, honestly, did not miss as anticipated. The beer was phenomenal. Tried a couple different ones. Uh, Adult Swim was really good. Fall Forward I really liked. Um, what was the other one? Prost Malone, the Oktoberfest. Malone thought was that good. Was, yeah, I thought that was funny. Yes. But the one I'm gonna, the one I'm gonna point out, which was interesting, and I know you had this too, was the Ungodly Hour. Oh yeah, it's, it's listed as a strong ale. Um, it's a nine point five, nine point two percent, like twenty three IBU, um, and it's. I don't know how to explain it. Like you hear the name Ungodly Hour, so you're like, okay, it's probably like a pumpkin beer of some sort, but it comes out dark black like jet black stout like but it's very light and forefront with the flavor kind of has like a rum whiskey pumpkin spice taste to it um i just this one kind of like just wrapped my it took me a while to wrap my brain around it because it's like i didn't know what i was expecting but i i liked it a lot it kind of stood out to me the most especially just like the presentation the name the flavor profile so i give it a 375 out of five i mean not like you know and an, an incredible beer, like a total home run, but I thought it was good enough to at least mention and uh, Newport Craft. I mean, they they rarely miss, and this one we just showed it added to uh, their fall portfolio stuff, and I really liked it. Yeah, that was one where it was just the most unique and almost weird blend it was, of spices. It was different. Yeah, it was different. Because you and I were sitting at the bar standing, and we get those little tasters just thrown back, and it's like, wow, it wasn't pumpkin at all. Here we yeah. are thinking like, all right, you know, maybe – you know, it'll be on the darker side, but when you think of a dark pumpkin beer, it's still, it's not black, right? It's, no. it's more of, all right, you know, this is pretty strong, kind of like a red ale plays, like kind of like our beer, um, you know, the Christmas ale plays and that was just not what I was expecting. Hey, I'm, I'm here for it. It was a good beer. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's one of those, you can't have 90 of them. You can't no, even no, have no. like two. I, I'd be uncomfortable with having a pint of that, to be totally honest with you. I was like, totally fine. I, yeah, I don't just know. The, the just the taster of it. Just right. the taster of it. That's a beer that I like one pint, and that's like, all right, that's that's all for me, right? You're either drinking a pint of that and like saying, all right, I'm I'm good for the day, or you just can have a taster, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, Newport Craft, um, some pretty good stuff on tap right now. And Adult Swim will probably have to review at some point too. That was excellent. Um I will go, I'll keep the pumpkin theme. It is September 28th when we're running this. Um, As our good friend Zach says, he's going to be the first to listen to the show, obviously, but pumpkin is back. He had it on his cork board. So all his colleagues could give him a shout out. Uh, Pumpkin is so back. And a couple of weeks ago, we tasted a couple pumpkin beers. Um, I tried the smash pumpkin from shipyard. Um, they call it, it's some Pugsley signature series. I'm pulling it up now. I I don't think I've had any other beer in the series, but 
Um, they call it a yam beer. It's 9%. That's pretty cool. Um, it says big body beer, light coppery orange color and pleasing aromas of pumpkin and nutmeg. Oh, what did you guys give this? You gave this a 375, but two years before that, you gave it a 3.5 out of the bottle. Um, and can I see was better, the yeah, can was better than the bottle. Yeah, you had it in the can, put a little cinnamon rim on it too. So, I mean, the, the cinnamon, cinnamon rim, rim is gives it, yeah, it gives it the, the 0.25 <laughs> bump always. Yeah, and so listen, I, I gave this a 3.5, right? Ultimately, when I'm here's the pumpkin beer predicament that I'm in. Pumpkin beers are very good when they're not sweet. Hot take. But it's a little bit of a hot take. So I, I like my pumpkin beer with the spice as the main character and not the pumpkin, right? When, uh, shit, what is it like Jacko? Um, there, there's a bunch of pumpkin beers and we'll probably have to Mount Rushmore at some point, but the pumpkin beers in this area are a plenty. They're very good. Um, I don't think there's a better pumpkin beer on this earth than Rosemary's Baby or Southern Tier um, Pumpkin. Either okay. one of those two. Southern Tier, I think, maybe is probably a little bit better than Rosemary's Baby. But I think the common theme is that the pumpkin's not the main character and it's the spices around it that are bringing it out. So that's been the way I grew up. Well, yeah, grew up drinking pumpkin beer. But when I started drinking beer seriously, like when I was probably 20, 21 years old, like that's... 21, we don't promote underage drinking. 21, correct. Drink responsibly. Um, I don't know. That's what I really liked. I didn't like... Everything else just felt too artificial for me. And that's what's always stuck out to me about pumpkin beer. I need the spices to be nailed and the pumpkin will figure itself out. All right. I agree. I mean, I, I'm definitely similar where like the spice needs to be the, the main course, but I do feel that like you have to have some sweetness and it can't just have that dry pumpkin flavor. Um, but again, it's like, you make a good point. It's like the spice needs to be the number one. It's like, that's why you have a spiced rib. Well, that's what so I was going to say. It's like, you rib. can bring the sweet stuff out with other things. Like when you are drinking a pumpkin beer, you have one of a, a spiced rim or a, you know, a sugared and, you know, you put cinnamon sugar on it or B you're probably eating something sweet with it. Like more mm -hmm. than likely you're going to have either it's a sweet entree or maybe a piece of pumpkin pie or like a, a nice fall dessert. That's my kind of deal with a pumpkin beer. It's interesting because I don't think a lot of breweries now that it's, you know, we're talking about it, do the, the sugar and spice rim at all. It's like, yeah. that's more of a, that's more of a bar and restaurant thing. I agree. So it's like, you're losing a lot of, I mean, people will still buy it at the breweries, obviously, but it's like, you're losing that, you know, appeal and factor, that whole variable where people can, you know, bump some of these beers up. And it's like, obviously when you buy it yourself and you do it at home, like you're obviously like you're, you're going for it. It's like, that's what we did when we tried all these pumpkin beers. It's like, I want to, I want a sugar and spice room. Right. You're not beers. fucking around. Yeah. You're I'm not fucking around. We're going to do it. But like, can't get that at Narragansett. Can't get that anywhere. I think that they would be kind of insult. I don't know if Treehouse does a pumpkin beer, but it's like, oh yeah, can I get like a sugar and salt, uh, a sugar and spice room? I feel like they'd be insulted. I don't know. You think they, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. But like, say if they did, right? It's like, oh yeah, they kick your ass. Yeah, out. I feel like they'd, like, they'd be insulted, even though it's like that's the that's the thing to do. Yeah, I don't know. So that's where I land on pumpkin beers, and for that, you know, I thought this was 
very strong and it, for how strong it was at 9%, um, it was just a little too sweet for me with being that strong. Like, I feel like if, if it's going to be that strong, I want it bitter as shit, right? I want to bite it. I want to be able to ingest this and be like, wow, I'm, I'm kind of full. Like I'm good. Um, you know, it's one of those, again, that you can't drink like four or five of them. You can only have one. And like a lighter beer if you're drinking after that too. So um, I don't know, just the sweet versus the strength wasn't entirely there for me. I mean, I would drink this again if it was thrown in front of me, I, I would have it. Um, but it, it's pumpkin beer season and I'm, I'm pretty excited. I, I would like to have some Rosemary's Baby and, and all of that shit. So, and, and try some new ones too, because I feel like a lot of people are doing pumpkin beers now. Mm-hmm. So That'll close the bow on beers. Let's go into business before we go into our interview. Um, Marvel. Marvel's definitely back. Uh, They own the rights to the two top grossing movies in North America right now. Um, Shang-Chi, $187 million in the box in a year that, you know, movies were probably closed for a good portion of this year. I'd say that's pretty damn good. Um, and they just eclipsed the spot that Black Widow held. So this is big news for Marvel. Um, as you and I were talking about before this, I totally forgot Marvel was owned by Disney. Big and it makes perfect Disney, sense. Yeah. That's huge for a lot of different things. But I mean, I don't know. And looking at this, I feel like there's not a movie franchise better than Marvel right now. Um, I certainly can't name you one. I think it's blowing everything else out of the water. Uh, I don't know really anything about Marvel. I have not seen either of these movies and it's been a while since I've seen one, but we saw Black Widow. Oh yeah. Shit. We did see Black Black Widow. Widow, Yeah. That was the one we saw. Whoops. (laughs) But yeah, this is the time for Marvel right now. They're doing really well. And um, you know, they're, they're back. They're back in the game. If you're talking about, you know, movie franchises, like, I guess a close second would be Star Wars and Disney owns that too. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm pulling up the numbers right now. This, this article is back in July. So obviously well before Black Mirror and um, Shang-Chi, but Disney has earned more than $18 billion since purchasing the company in 2009, strictly from Marvel. Yeah. $18 billion just from that. And I mean, as of last week, you know, um, the stock rose 3% just from the uh, box office hit of Shang-Chi. So it's like, this is a huge money getter. And the Marvel world keeps like exploding and exploding. Obviously they had, you know, a couple of years ago was the big, uh, you know, the end game, right? And like that was, that created a whole new realm of like, what's going to, you know, build upon for Marvel and Disney and, you know, Spider-Man, the new one, uh, what is it? It's coming home or something like that. That's going to probably double both of these box office because it's like Spider-Man is like more beloved than like the Marvel universe itself. So like, that's going to be a huge factor. Um, all of their Disney plus series, they had low key, they had uh, WandaVision, you know, they keep building upon that. And then once, you know, the world starts opening back up and they start dedicating more Marvel stuff into the parks, it's just a huge cash cow for Disney. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, you look at the last, let's look at the last five years worth of like the highest grossing films you have, Rogue One in 2016, that did about a half a billion. Disney, Star Wars The Last Jedi, $620 million, Disney. Black Panther, Marvel, Disney. Disney. 
<laughs> 700 <laughs> you have avengers endgame marvel mm-hmm. disney <laughs> and then last year you had bad boys for life which i don't know that what that was i didn't see that that was will smith and martin Lawrence. yeah so it's like the remake of bad boys yeah i don't think right. uh i don't know if i'm saying i don't know that. who produced it that was um oh shit it was sony okay yeah but that so, one I mean, yeah, that one like touches a lot of generations so and here's like, the thing, you know, you look at those, those films, it goes 500, 600, 700, 800, and then Bad Boys for Life. Obviously, it's not fair to compare these because what movies were out in, the, in films last year, but they did 204 million. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a quarter of what Endgame did. So, yeah. so I think with movies slowly recovering, you know, Marvel's back, all these people are back in, but I mean, this only logically would suggest excellent things for Disney stock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with... I mean, streaming was the big thing that was driving Disney up, Disney Plus. I mean, all these subscribers, we talked about that constantly on the show, but now you throw movies into the equation. And I feel like that's something that is just good for all entertainment, um, you know, stocks. I'd say hot, I'd argue hospitality too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it's like a dinner and a movie. It's always been something like that. And, you know, movie theaters are starting to incorporate meals and stuff and everything, but it's still that weird divide of are people, you know, going to purchase the movies at home through streaming services or go back to some kind of normality and, uh, you know, go out to the theaters and, you know, support the local businesses around. But either way, Disney stays winning and one of the big fours in the world keeps making money. I thought the way you were phrasing that, it was just like a perfect layup for, yeah, they, they'll just go out to their local red box, rent a couple of DVDs yeah, right. or some shit. And like, what is this, 2009? Hey, the 7-Eleven um, up the road still has it. No 7-11. shit. They have a it's red still, box? Yeah. Oh, that's enough. the one outside. Yeah. All right. I got you. I think it's outside, right? Yeah. They've always been outside. And it's like, still, they still have some decent movies, which is funny enough. I didn't know they were still uh, being utilized, but... I'm fucking amazed. There's all I know is that Blockbuster, I forgot where it is, but you can Airbnb it for a night. You can like stay in the world's last remaining Blockbuster. Which it's in Alaska. Alaska, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, we've, we talked about that on the show. Yeah, that was maybe last year we did. But... It was the 10 year anniversary. Shout out to Freezing Cold Takes. We posted <laughs> yes. the, uh, reposted the tweets. They're like, tell, it was Blockbuster was like, tell us why you're not your not leaving us to go to Netflix and we'll give oh. you something. And it's like, well, well, everyone did. That might be the biggest freezing cold take of all time. All time. That just had, that was like two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Oh, that really sucks. Well, we're in a, a, a world run by Disney and Marvel. Um, I'll probably watch Shang-Chi. I, I think it should be interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go into our interview for our ball segment this is really cool the hosts of past our prime podcast presented by squad locker of course we love squad locker um our merchandise partner go and uh give them a look on our website of course tip fairchild and dan copen um both former athletes of course dan copen is a two-time super bowl champion with the new england patriots um was on tom brady's offensive line for how many years uh, Tip Fairchild, a former MLB player, didn't quite make it to the majors, but was uh, he spent some quality time for the Somerset Patriots as well as the Houston Astros organization. We have a good conversation with them about sports, about the, their lives, and what's next for Squad Locker. So here they are. It's Tip and Dan from Past Our Prime. 
All right, everybody with us this week, we have a couple pretty cool athletes to say, uh, to say the least. Tip Fairchild and Dan Copen, uh, past our prime podcast hosted by presented by squad locker, our merchandise apparel company. Um, and we're bringing the two professionals to the beers, business and balls podcast today, uh, past our prime podcast. They take you into the locker room from the eyes of the has beens and never was, which I think you're short selling both of you guys, but that's all right. Uh, tip and Dan, how are you? Yeah, I heard actually, <laughs> I think we're spot on. <laughs> we said it to a couple of people at the shooting event that we just were at the Matt light celebrity shootout. And they were like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We're like, yeah, that's what's dead ass accurate. The the bad thing was they thought he was the has been offensive lineman by the side. Oh, Jesus. Right oh. <laughs> wow. I had more people think that I was I, I, I people were asking me for pictures. I was like, guys, no, no this is the offensive lineman, not me. I, not I me. played baseball, shockingly. <laughs> <laughs> Very below average. Yeah. That's funny though, because that's one thing that is crazy about, you know, former offensive linemen. Once they come out of the league, you don't even recognize them. The right. weight drop is crazy. I mean, you guys both look good. You know, you're, you're you guys are both uh, young chickens and looking looking lean. So I'm not going to say who's who's the lineman, but uh, we appreciate you having on the uh, coming on the show. No, no thanks, worries. Thanks for having us. We're interested to hear your questions and far away because we like beer. Uh, balls, I guess. Balls in business. I love the slogan. It's a great yeah, slogan. It's, good. <laughs> it's, it's covering our three topics. You know, that's yeah. what uh, all the uh, New Englanders and people around the country want to hear. And uh, well, we'll get right to it. So we'll start off with Dan. I mean, the two-time Super Bowl champ, 10-year career with the Pats. Um, you've had quite the journey. You've had quite the journey. You know, we'll start with those beer questions first. Uh, obviously, in 2018, a couple years after your career, uh, you started with Line Cider Brewing Company. It's not named after your position, which many people might have thought, but of course the striped bass. So I assume you got some yeah. uh, fishing interest with you. But what was that uh, aha moment or that idea that you wanted to uh, get into the beer industry? Uh, you know, after you get done playing, um, you know, professional sport, especially for that long, you know, there's kind of kind of a void. Um, you know, when you're playing, you wake up every day. There's there's an end game and there's a goal, no matter if it's, you know, the next week or if it's the off season, all right, we're training for next season. So there's always, there's always, there's always a goal in mind. And when, when, when they ask you not to play or you retire, um, that, that goes away pretty quickly, you know, and that's a struggle to find out, Hey, what's the next step? You know, when I retire at 33, 34 years old, there's a lot of there's a lot of time left and there's a lot of time to fill up. So you got to fi figure out what you want to do next. And I tried a couple different things. You can't um, just play golf every day. God, I would love to play golf. Yeah, you can, but you know, <laughs> it would give you a bunch of shit. Exactly. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's just, you got to try and figure out when to play. And even quite, even when I was playing, you know, we had young kids later in your career, you get older, you get more mature, you get responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the hell is that? You know, when you're young and you're, uh, single, you're going out, you're having fun, you're playing golf on your off days, yep. whatever, you know, your, your life changes as you go. So my kids were little five, three and one. I wasn't playing a lot of golf cause I can't, you know, give the excuse, Hey, I'm, I'll see you in six hours. You mm -hmm. know, that just, it's not fair. So didn't play a lot of golf and trying to figure it out. Is it real estate? Is it, um, uh, you know, a couple of other things. And then my brother-in-law started, uh, you know, brewing beer and he was stay or he wasn't, but it, my sister-in-law was in Okinawa, uh, with the air force. He learned how to brew beer over there. 
and came home and made some beer and and and, and it was good. So I learned home brewing from him, um, and then just met up with uh, another guy and he had the same same interest, same passion. He was looking to move on from his job and sort of that's where Line Cider came. And uh, you know, a lot of people think it's it's a football thing. Uh, but no, you know, we live in Rhode Island. We're very proud of the state. It's a very small state. It's like six, six separations from six ways of separation mm-hmm. from Kevin Bacon. Everybody knows somebody that somebody knows it's, it, it's impossible to go around the state and not know somebody. So, uh, it's the state fish of Rhode Island, big fishing state. And that's where it came from. So what's the cooler fact about you, Dan? Is it the fact that you and Saquon both have your jerseys retired at your high school or, is it the fact that your father-in-law is also a two-time Super Bowl champion? Oh, you know, I, yeah, Saquon just got his jersey retired a couple of weeks ago. I went back for that. Um, and that was the first time I had met him in person. I talked to oh, him wow. uh, on the phone. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm an old guy. He's much younger. I think he graduated <laughs> in 2017 or 2018 or whatever it was. So uh, I'm a little bit older, have been away. Uh, I, you know, I got to go, stick with the family. You know, to have uh, Mark Van Egan as my father-in-law, he played eight years with the Raiders, two with the Pats, two Super Bowls with the uh, with the uh, Raiders there. I'm going to go with that. That's more cooler. Um, if Saquon can get to the level of another alumni of Whitehall High School, Matt Millen, who has four Super Bowl rings, then maybe we can – maybe four? We got six in the high school. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean so, – you know, he, he, he can add to those ring collections that we have growing there in Whitehall, Pennsylvania. Maybe we'll have a conversation then. Because, that you know, that's why you play the game, boys, right? You play to win, right? I mean, yeah. the school? How big is the school? Uh, I think my graduating class was 225. Yeah, so it's not massive, but pretty no, it's big. it's not huge. Yeah. My whole school is 225. But Well, you're from oh, wow. me. Yeah. It was probably, <laughs> you probably went to school at camp. Yeah, we did. Exactly. Went to school at camp. Oh, there. So what's in the water in Whitehall, Pennsylvania, what you, though? What are you guys doing for uh, home ec or phys ed today? Oh, we're chopping wood. Yeah, we're chopping wood. We're, <laughs> we're, 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 uh, skinning, uh, we're skinning a deer. Yeah, we're getting yeah. fire. Yeah. Exactly. We it's the life essential skills. I mean, you have to yeah. know how to skin a deer in Maine. Right? That's right. Absolutely. He he, look at him. He doesn't know how to skin a deer. No, I don't. No, not a deer. <laughs> no idea. I don't like blood. Uh. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. So what's um, in the? Yeah. Oh no, you go. Yeah, you Jen. first. You first. Tom, no, 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 all you. Um, what's? It, I was gonna steal Tondo's question here. It's like, what's in the water there in Whitehall? You know, what's what breeds those athletes? What makes your high school so? You know, what breeds the championship winners there? Uh, it's a good community, man. It's a blue collar, blue collar community. People work hard. They, um. Pennsylvania loves high school football. You know, it's, there's a lot of interest. You play. Um, I played since I was seven, so I played football for a long time. You grow up going to those high school games. You want to be those high school athletes out on the field, and you're in the corner of the uh, stadium, you know, playing with your friends, running around, playing football while they're, you know, the varsity games going on. So it's just it's it, it's a good place to grow up, man. We just we just got workers out there. Right on, right on, right uh, on. Like Maryland crab cakes and football. What's, <laughs> yeah. what's Pennsylvania? It's like mines and crab linemen. cakes and fo- <laughs> <laughs> linemen and mines. 
No, we, well, other mines in no. That's West Virginia. We got quarries. We got yeah, you know, cement plants. Okay. We got Bethlehem Steel, right? Yeah. Steel, yes. Yeah, uh, IC Light, steel. Iron City. Yeah. Let's go out to Pittsburgh, get some right. uh, IC Light and some steel. I like that. Bethlehem, everything. It's the gritty Pennsylvania lifestyle. Yeah, it's great. Um, one of the coolest things I thought that I besides your Super Bowl rings, obviously, um, but in your trophy cabinet, you have that Madden Most Valuable uh, Protectors Award, which is pretty much just like a block of iron with a couple uh, hog mollies on top of it. But so it obviously represents your career as an offensive lineman and having that solidified front line, um, you know, on the pats. But who was one of the hardest people that you've ever had to defend while being in that offensive lineman? Um, I mean, off on the line, like a defensive lineman, Chris Jenkins, you know, he played with Carolina and he also played with the Jets. He played in two different systems, four down front with Carolina, penetrating. And then uh, when he was with the Jets, they ran like a three, four with Rex Ryan as their head coach. Obviously, Rex didn't work out as a head coach, but he still was a hell of an off uh, defensive lineman. Um, you know, he was massive, six, three, six, four, six, five, whatever the hell he was, 350 pounds and if he wanted to jump a snap count, he was, you know, you, it, it was hard to stop the man. But at the second level, I mean, I always bring it back to Zach Thomas. I mean, you take a look at linebackers now. Yeah, they're great athletes, but very few linebackers take on guys like they did in the past. And even before Zach, but Zach was like one of the last of those, 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 those hard headed downhill linebackers. And you knew you were in for a, a fight every time you played the Dolphins. And before we turn it over and learn more about Tip here, just a, a final kind of question for you in oh, your tip, career. Tip doesn't need to say it. Right? <laughs> it doesn't He's need there. to be indulged, right? Great. I'm going to answer a couple emails. We'll just there you go. Yeah, there you go. Send a couple like proposals out. Yeah. Like, get some work done. Perfect. Exactly. But, but Dan, you know, it seems as though the, the thing in football right now is – Tom Brady just seems like he's getting better, right? He's what 40, he's in his mid forties and he's finally got a group of, this is probably, you know, one of the best offensive teams he's had in a while. You said in a while. Oh, seven. In a while. Here's the thing. When you were there, he had a lot of weapons too. Right. So, yeah. but this is, you know, relatively speaking over the last couple of years as a Patriot, I mean, objectively that Buccaneers roster he's working with now has a lot more weapons than these past couple of years did in new England. Sure. So what, you know, from your perspective, you played with this guy for many years. So what about him just makes him so great? And if you have any memories that stand out, would love to hear him too. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is he's a competitor. You know, it doesn't matter what he's doing, golf, backgammon, football, um, businesses now outside of football. He's a competitor and he wants to win at everything. And he gets fucking pissed if he, if he doesn't win. Um, one, one example is we're playing backgammon. He's just learning the offensive lineman in the locker room, meeting rooms or whatever. When we had downtime training camp during the season, playing rides, we would play either card games or, you know, backgammon was one of the staples too. Tommy's just learning how to play backgammon. He's walking back and forth from meetings to his locker. Hey, what's, what, what are you guys doing? So he's just learning. He lost, like you lose a lot when you start learning you know you're, you're just figuring it out but i mean he just steps into things right away and he thinks he's going to be really good at it he maybe lost a few times in a row gets upset and then he comes back he's like okay i think i figured it out he loses again he just absolutely takes the backgammon board just chucks it right across the locker room so um that's his competitive nature it doesn't matter what it is i mean you can go on about his you know avocado ice cream how he's 
What about the beer chugging? Can he like chug? Oh, a beer he, can, he can. Than he can. He can absolutely chug. That that is true. <laughs> I, mean, I think he did. I think he did do it on a talk show, yeah. but we got stuck in. Pretty sure it was like iced tea. No, it was well, fake he, beer. Non alcoholic, maybe. Could have been. Yeah, it didn't it matter. Been. Yeah, because he was yeah. he was very health conscious, maybe mm-hmm. at that point. But um, we were coming back from Buffalo, I think. I don't think we could fly in. So we ended up busing home and we stopped uh, along the way. We went to a bar- barbecue place. And after the game, we won. We started eating barbecue and drinking beer. You know, we, we, we had some time to kill. And sure enough, somebody challenged him to the beer chugging contest. He took everybody down. Everybody down. It, it was pretty impressive how fast he could drink that thing. Man doesn't lose. The man no. does not lose. No, he doesn't lose. So, I mean, he, he'll, he'll go after anything. And if he loses, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, it's going to get ugly, yeah. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, pranks, anything, he will not lose. And the one rule in the locker room is you don't mess with a guy who has FU money. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm a lineman, <laughs> I'm making this salary, or you're a rookie, you're making this salary. You don't go after mm-hmm. the guy that does not care what he spends to get at to get back at you. Mm-hmm. And that's happened in the past. Too. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, it's just he's a great guy. You know, he's a leader. He's a competitor. Um, takes care of his body. Does everything right. And he, you know, he's, he's he's as smart as they come. He's seen every defense, every front, uh, ran every play. Why wouldn't guys want to come there and play with him? Or just be him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I get. It. Or or be with yeah. him, which which is what yeah. Tip wants. To just, just one hug. Not one even hug. with him. Yeah. Are you not, I don't want to be him. I want to be with you. Yeah, but I want to be with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, want, you guys know a crazy stat about Dan? Yeah, What's that? I'm gonna mess this up, but remember when we looked at all time winning percentages? Yeah, for offensive players, I think. No, no, no. It was for all. No. Oh. I think it was all-time winning percentages for anybody who's played over 10 years in the league. Oh, no. It was like a certain amount of games. A certain amount of games. Yeah. Over 180 games or something like that. Does that sound right? 160 no, games? 100. No, it was like over 100 maybe. Maybe it's over 100. For all-time winning percentages for people over 100 games, Dan's number one. Oh, my God. For, for hey, yeah. <laughs> take advantage of your opportunity and get back on your investment, people. <laughs> yeah, you lost <laughs> seven games. I no, think. I, something yeah. crazy. I think I, I, think I was – Around eighty-one percent. Yeah, which was number one. Yeah, there was only (laughs) there was only one. There's a lot of other good players out on that field that contributed. Yeah, I just think it's funny when you Google search that how you your your face with your red beard shows up with the long flowing hair. Well, yeah, we started out my first two years. We went back to back, and we ended up playing. We went um, seventeen and two both years. Right, that's what I mean. So stacked the first two years, I played. 38 games yeah. and that's basically like a college career it's crazy yeah so i mean call up cannon that, I'll, right? I'll send those cleats over for you myself i'll hand deliver them that's that's a pretty cool stat yeah. <laughs> yep. i was lucky i was i was, I was fortunate to play with a lot of good players and in a great organization with a lot of good coaches that just focused on that so it, it worked out well right on right on now head over to Tip. I mean, the star of Monmouth Academy, University of Southern Maine. You got drafted in 2005 by the uh, Houston Astros and rose up the ranks. Um, you also did some work with Roger Clemens. I saw that picture on uh, on social media. Not bad. I mean, we're Yankees fans, so we have a, a little soft spot for Roger Clemens. But, you know, you obviously wanted to play baseball, and that was something that was always in the forefront of your mind. But was playing professional something that, was like the main focus or were you just riding the wave and hoping that 
Hey, if, uh, you know, the, the pros start calling, I'll, I'll, I'll make that, make that transition. You know, I think that everybody writes it on their third grade thing. Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And you say, I want to play football and I, I, I want to play I, baseball. I did, right? Yeah, or, I wrote it too. You're right. right. So you write it down. You just don't know how, what it takes to get there. And then if you would ask me in high school or college, when I first went to college, I would never thought it was even something that happens. Right. And I was still pretty naive to it, even my junior year, when all of a sudden, you know, every day or every week, you, you know, I was getting more and more you know, packages from, from MLB teams and scouts visiting and conversations and then agents calling and, you know, all this different stuff that you don't, I was, it, it hit me and I was like, okay, I guess this is kind of real. It wasn't anything. I was just looking to do the next thing. I always said that, like, if you're in high school, if you're in middle school, you want to play high school baseball, you want to be an all-star, you want to try to go to college, you want to be an all-star, you, you know, keep moving. And that's what, you know, that's what my process was. And I stayed at Southern Maine after my sophomore year, I had a really big sophomore year and that's one of most schools you know where lots of schools made offers for me to hey come here for your junior year and then you know you know, higher draft status you know played a big program whether it's you know in the sec or acc whatever it is i stayed there still got drafted you know i actually got hurt that year a little bit and hurt my my draft stats a little bit but um you know i never would have thought it when i was in third grade even though i wrote it on the piece of paper but it's maybe just like what you it's always in the back of your mind that I'm hoping to do this, right? And then I was lucky enough, played five years, and and uh, the cool part was getting drafted by the Astros. You know, I, I I got I had a phone call in like the fifth round with the Royals, and almost signed with the Royals. But you can actually they can't technically do that. So like they they make you try to agree to money, and I wasn't willing to agree to money right then. I just said, hey, I'm gonna play my chances here and get drafted a few rounds later by the Astros, but. It was awesome because my two biggest pitching role models were uh, were Roger Clemens and Nolan Ryan, and I was able to be around them the entire season for five years, pretty much. You know, so going to Nolan Ryan's house or like playing golf or going to Clemens' house or you know traveling with those guys, like having them like work in your bullpens, that was as good as it gets for some kid that wants to like pitch. You know, like there's not two better guys when I was there, right? That was '05 to 2010. So that, that was the, number one for me. Not bad one of the for, interesting from a kid from Maine. Kid from Maine, you know, kid, yeah. just a kid chopping yeah. wood and skinning deers from Maine, right? That's right. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, one of the just most bizarre parts of Roger Clemens' <gasps> career was when he decided he was going to come back. He pitched a couple of games for the Sugarland Skeeters, and that really hits home because you know, grew up in uh, you know, I, I grew up in Connecticut, right down for uh, the road from the Bridgeport Bluefish, and Will grew up in Long Island. He had the um was it the ducks in the independent well, league ducks, right yeah, the, the independent the ducks. Yeah. and then you, all of a sudden you see clemens throwing in the same league against these dudes yeah. I'm like holy shit that's pretty cool but yeah, I had you a know, it's like a 48 year old or something i had a stint uh in that league with against the ducks and against the bridgeport um, what team uh what team are you playing for the pats Somers right the somerset, somerset pats, pats, oh it was the right. somerset like so now month. they're the double yeah. a uh double yeah, a the yankees. yankees now yeah their stadium was underwater but i remember going to bridgeport and you know, walking in, uh, wearing my bulletproof vest, hoping not to die, leaving the stadium. Uh, you know, it was a rough, rough area down there. The Ducks were oh. a little different. Long Island was was a decent time. But... Could have went over to the Danbury Thrashers and stuff, the too. The Thrashers. 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 You yeah. want to stay yeah. out of yeah. Danbury. Yeah, man. stay out of there. Yeah, stay out of there. Um, it, it was, you know, the, with Clemens, too, he came back, remember, and pitched for the Lexington Legends when I was there and his son was playing on the team also. We were in the same draft class. That so, Macker, who I went to college yeah, with, caught, made, caught from in, that in, game. in that first yeah. game. Wow. Yeah. And I threw the night before, actually. So 
when you're in baseball and you understand like starting pitchers, a lot of times the starting pitchers are showing rosters or showing like trends, and then actually you're in the stands for a couple of days during the rotation because you're charting and like that's where you're actually doing like kind of like your brain work. Like, hey, I'm about to face this team in two days. I'm gonna watch these hitters, and instead of being in the dugout like eating seeds and chewing bubble gum and like you know searching for chicks in the stands, it's I'm going to actually be in, in the stands, like making sure I'm paying attention to hitters. So that game, though, I was supposed to be in the stands, and it was awesome because I started to work with Clemens a lot, and he's like, no, 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 I want him in the dugout because I want to sit with him when I come off the field and, like, just talk about, like, what I just did with that process. And I was like, this is freaking awesome. You know, like, so I was in there. I was in the dugout with him for that. And then, you know, I was with him in big league camp, too, for a couple of years. So, you know, around around him plenty. And he's he still is. People talk about him as like, a, you know, not great with fans or like kind of an asshole to certain people. And he never was that way with me. And I started to recognize it where those polarizing figures early on, like would just get bombarded with autographs and this and that and everything. And just as long as it was in the right situation, he would never say no to a kid ever, ever. You know, like that was never a thought case. too. you know, the way the media portrayed it was like, oh, you know, yeah. the bad guy, like, you know, he didn't come, yeah, no, uh, when but... Clemens comes to mind, it's like, oh, he didn't even come to his, uh, the games that he wasn't starting at, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, but the other, but if there's a 45 year old guy coming up to him at dinner being mm-hmm. like, hey, can you sign my ball? He's going to be like, can I finish my like tiramisu first? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> give me a yeah. Minute. Which ball would you like me to sign? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, a 12-year-old kid that came up to him or a 7-year-old kid or a 15-year-old kid, whatever it is, no shot. Like he would do that a million times out of a million. And I think it's just the bad rap comes with, with like one instance of something where somebody sees uh, him turn down a 45-year-old like looking for an autograph, you know. So that was never the case when I was around him at all. So and we were talking about uh, Somerset too, right? And, and your time there. Um, Sparky Lyle was obviously another guy that was around um, a bunch. You probably learned a bunch from him. You know, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what that was like coming up the yeah. system with him because, I mean, there's a whole section on Wikipedia for clubhouse antics that he had. Yep. So that means that it's it's bad. So um, Yeah, he was – he was a character for sure. I think I learned a few new words, um, how to spit <laughs> on like an umpire, uh, you know, different things for sure. And he had the mustache. And then also maybe just to be, uh, you know, kind of miserable and hang out in your office once in a while too. That's how he was. But he was a cool dude. Like he had tons of stories, but he was kind of like, hey, I'm here. Almost like Tom Hanks in uh, A League of Their Own. That's my best reference to him, right? Where it was like, hey, I'll come out and do my song and dance and twirl my hat. And then he goes, sits on the bench and like throws a dip in and puts sand down his pants. You know, like that, that was him. But it was also what was crazy about that league. And I was only in it for a bit. I So I got released out of spring training that year, went to Somerset for like six weeks, eight weeks, something like that, and then re-signed by Houston. So it was I wasn't there for a long time. But when I was there, we, we'd play against like Newark and like Keith Folk who I watched like two years before that, three years before that, I got hammered in college because he won the World Series for the Red Sox, Mm -hmm. was like in the bullpen beside me, and he's like still trying to hang in with the Newark Bears. And like Carl Everett, who I remember being just like an amazing center fielder for the Red Sox, like I love Carl Everett. I'm facing him, and he's like, I'm like, why are you still doing this? You know, and like they're like, hey, like what else are we going to do? We're 34 years old, kind of like Dan said. I'm still going to play for a while. So there were some cool characters in that league. It was lots of 
it was it was lots of guys that were either trying to hang on or already had a pretty big career that just weren't willing to be done yet. You know, is is what it was for. Um, what they call that? Um, what was the name of the of the league that? Uh, See, uh, the Atlantic League. Right? Atlantic League, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Atlantic League. So lots of players like that in it when when I was there. It's much different now. The Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball scene is a lot different. They've eliminated a lot of levels, a lot of different organizations. I mean, even like the Lexington Legends, who were, I think, one of the premier uh, minor league baseball stadiums operations. Incredible city, like tons of support around the team. Big sellouts. Um, they're not affiliated with a team anymore. And they were always affiliated with the Astros and then the Royals. And then now they're independent ball, still bringing in big crowds, still doing cool stuff. Like Andy Shea, he has an incredible thing down there. They have Rough and Rowdy down there for Barstool and everything. So they do lots of fun, gimmicky things. But um, it's they're not affiliated with anybody anymore. So it's it's definitely different. No, right on. And we're going to transition into, obviously, the story of how you two met. You know, this past our prime uh, podcast, uh, but it wouldn't be brought to you, you know, the podcast wouldn't be created without that common bond of Squad Locker. So, you know, how did you guys hear about Squad Locker and what made you, you know, buy into uh, Gary's message and uh, join the team? Well, I've been with Gary for 11 years. So through Turfer, through Clean Brands and all the infancy of Squad Locker, I just was kind of looking at it from afar. Um, and then if you can believe it or not, Dan and I met in the gym, um, <laughs> where <laughs> trying to get skinny, trying to get skinnier, but at that time we were actually lifting a lot heavier Yeah, because we used to look at each other where we'd be on the floor and I'd wait to see what weights Dan was going to grab to do like dumbbell floor press. And if he was going for the nineties, I'd be like, I guess I'm going to do the 95s, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so we were actually, we were going three times a week to a gym for a while and then Played some golf together, you know, just there's the kind of like the bond that you guys talk about. There's like this fraternity of football players that you're in the football fraternity. There's a there's a fraternity of like baseball players. You're in the fraternity, hockey, whatever it is. But there's also like this next level fraternity of athletes as well, where you've played in some type of a league. You understand like a little bit of what that grind is. And that was, those relationships usually are just pretty simple because we all have the same story. We like had to grind it out for a while. Some guys make a good contract. Some guys don't. You are traveling away from your family. You're staying in hotels. You're riding planes, trains, buses, you know, the whole thing. Dan's done a little bit more plane travel than me, but. You got buses. <laughs> yeah, I got buses. You got buses, buses, buses I got under plane. control. I got buses and covered. I mean, it's also, too, the, you're coming from that environment, like you said, with the leagues or teams or sports. <clears throat> you know, you're kind of thick-skinned. and. Yeah. You don't really have to hold back. Like, he can make fun of me. I can make fun of him. And it's not taking anything personal. And that mm -hmm. after you get out of a locker room when you're in it for a long time, sometimes you say some stupid shit and yeah. you get in trouble you at miss, home. You miss that because yeah. the people that like you're you talking have that, to You have that every it. day. And that's just yeah. like you're, you're, you're basically kids playing a kid's game, but you're adults and you get paid for it. But you're in there with your buddies going out to play a sport, which is kind of cool. And then that goes away, and you come into the real world, and sometimes you maybe say some things wrong. Sometimes you say it more, the, it's sarcastically, and some people don't get it. You know, those, yep. those guys that have been around those locker rooms sort of get it. So it's easier to navigate yourself and uh, become comfortable with those, yep. those people. I mean, I met – you know, this past week we were at that Matt Light shootout, and I I talked to Castle before, and I actually played with his brother. Um, his brother played for the Astros with me, so 
but I never had met these guys. And within two minutes on the car ride, it's like ball busting, you know, and, and it just is natural where when you first meet some people and you're outside of that sports world, it's like, hey, how long before I can ball <laughs> first, bust? First, can I, can I get about, can I get a six pack first and then we'll strive? Exactly. <laughs> then we're, we're, then we're we'll more, try and start to get know, to know each other. Yeah, we're more like, know. we haven't even ordered our coffee yet and we're already in like full stride, like with, you know, making fun of, of Yeah, I whatever, walked in, we right? walked, we met them, we picked them up at IHOP. Cass <laughs> was in the bathroom. I walked in, just went back to the old locker room days, grabbed a bunch of paper towels, threw them under the water, and chucked them over the stall. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just yeah. it, that's that's what we do. Yeah, Jake Long shook my hand, and he grabbed, like, my elbow, you know, because his hands are gigantic, and he also just finished, like, 19 pancakes. <laughs> and I was like, you know, hey, you're, what are you, is this an appetizer, I think was the first thing I said to him, and, like, you're just, you're just on from there, where... There's a hesitant, hesitancy with that in the office place or just um, I think the most common one is when you get around like your significant other, or your wife's oh, friends, friends, husbands. Friends. Oh, yeah. It's like it is touch and feel for like a <laughs> while, you know, where you're like, I, what should I say? But if that person, like, for instance, was in a locker, was an NFL guy, I, could be, I know exactly what I would say. Yeah. Or an MLB, it's, it's easy. It's like you just dive right into it. So um, it's it's much different though, but that's you know that's what kind of hit off the relationship. And then Dan was looking, um, you know, he's like, hey, I, you know, again, like he said, kind of retired, had done some stuff, was looking for some things. I'm like, this makes a lot of sense actually, because we're such a sports company, you know, servicing youth sports, and he has young kids and wants to show them, you know, like, hey, this is what it is to work, and it's a fun thing, and it's like we're around teams and we're around sports all the time, and that's the way I look at it too. Now I'm on. Um, you know, my background is in business and with sales process and building teams and everything. And like, that's what my career has been the last 10 years where, you know, it's funny because Dan has been in so many meetings now and kind of watched this that I think he knows what he could do. Like he could do that right now. Like he could do those type of things just from listening. So, you know, we, and then with a podcast thing just spun up because we we're like, how do we get some cool content out there? Just talking about, yeah, more exactly, relevant, yeah. you know, shooting the breeze, like, some current event stuff, right? Being able to grab a funny guest and have that same banter that not everybody's totally comfortable with. And that's what we do. I'll bring on a friend that nobody knows about, except for if you have minor league baseball cards. But Which nobody does. Right? Nobody knows. Some people do. People do. We still got some. Yeah. Every week I get a package of cards. He can't believe it. But people send them to me. You get more than I do. I get so many many letters on this. But I'll bring on like Josh Mickey who played 10 years, mostly all double A, triple A. Was he the dick dick model? Yeah. So, so, and he comes on. The first thing he says. For dicks. I said dicks. Yeah. Sporting goods. You know, the first thing he says is he goes, hey, I'm a. You know, uh, he's got his background. He was a model for Dick Sporting Goods, and he's like, "I bet I'm the first Dick model you've had." <laughs> no, or like, true. That, and then, true. and then you're off and running, and, and like, hopefully the first and only. Right. Yeah, I know exactly. That's true exactly true, but it's been you know it's that's kind of what we put together, and then you know his his network's obviously deep too, and it's it's cool for me because I I grew up a Patriots fan, right? So and still am. I'm kind of a. I'm kind of a Tampa Bay fan right now too. I but, know you are. But, but, yeah, everyone is. But, but it's um, but it's funny for me to talk to Matt Castle because I remember being a, like, what year was that? Oh wait, oh wait, I remember being like, you know, playing minor league baseball, being like, Brady's out. Like, who's this Castle guy? Oh, I know who Castle is because 
my roommate played with him at USC, and then now I'm talking to him on a podcast 10 years later. It's pretty funny to me where it's yeah. like, that's who would have thought that would happen. So it's cool small stuff. Small world. Like yeah, small yeah. world. All right. So obviously you guys are both the hosts of Past Our Prime Pod, um, as Will mentioned, the open sports podcast. Take you into the locker room from the eyes of a has-been and a never-was powered by squad lockers. So first of all, you know, you kind of alluded to it throughout the what we've been talking about, but what's the goal of the show and what stories are you guys trying to bring out? Um, you know, what are you guys trying to accomplish with the show? I mean, uh, <laughs> bring guests on first, uh, first and foremost, which is the toughest thing to do with podcasts is what we've learned. It's not, yeah. it's not for Dan and I just to sit down for an hour and talk. We could do that literally six hours a day it would be pretty easy it's like <laughs> coordinating the guests bringing it on who works well who doesn't um you know the the theme though is teams you know because that's what we do with squad locker and it's just we're trying to be a little bit different voice to it is that accurate yeah it's more uh, the say yeah, yeah it's more i mean the funny I, voice yeah i think you want to bring some humor into it you want to talk to some cool people um but the thing about talking to those people and having fun obviously we have uh, past relationships with a lot of them and some of them we don't but i mean even like some of the guys that we didn't know have turned out to be the coolest guests that oh, we've the had seal stuff the seal stuff or yeah, dr chapman who we, oh yeah chapman you yeah know, you're right he's right. one of the you know psychologists and all that stuff so i mean we learn a lot from it um even still um and then hopefully can people you know really can take some you know get some fun out of it some sense of humor but the qualities and lessons that you learn in the locker room or on the field really translate over to life and business. doesn't matter, you know, hard work, discipline, uh, accountability, honesty, integrity, um, uh, leadership, um, you know, um, following directions, all yep. those things, um, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's like when people ask you about like the Patriot way, well, Patriot way is bullshit. You know, that's, that's, that's just normal. And that's how people should operate and, and act. And um, so if these guys who have been very successful in whatever field they are, whatever sport they play are communicating the same thing and can, can get one small example or one piece of it that somebody retains then you know, hopefully somebody else is better off. Yeah. And I think we could talk to a Navy SEAL every week, every week. I think we should just change it to seals because Seal it's just seals and, Seal and, and, the, yeah. and, and, and just, you know, ex-military in general or active yeah, military or, exactly, or, you know, yeah. those special forces or, um, you know, the Marines and, and you know, National Guard, you know, what those guys do and every day and um, sacrifice for, you know, for each one of us um, mm -hmm. and the stuff that they have to go through and their families go through, you know, should be honored and talked about a lot. Yeah. And hearing like, you know, we have teams here at Squad Locker, right? That we like within the company, whether it's operations or sales or anything like that. And then we sell two teams, right? Like, so that's part of it. And then the SEAL side is, I love talking to because they're the highest performing teams in, in the world, right? Like that's what they're built for. They're designed to be like a high functioning unit of a small group of people that can like do a lot of <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they can go and take out a whole, country or they can go in and save one person right like they can do all this different they can, stuff they can fly there or they can swim there yeah, it, doesn't they, really and they, it doesn't matter like whatever you give them for an assignment they just they they huddle and they go this is what we're doing okay go ready break just like these guys like break a huddle or just like you know you're running on the field it's just they're starting their thing and they trust um 
both both uh, Kevin Lace yep. and uh, David Rut- Rutherford both said the same thing, like feeling like that pinch on the shoulder from like the guy behind you that's like, okay, let's go. If you don't have 100% trust in that, then you're not the right right teammates, right? And they said that's where you get to with like the Navy SEAL side where these guys know that the person beside them will die in one second for them, like no question. And like, as they're operating, that's how they, that's how they move through their entire existence when they're in these teams. And then I always wonder what they go do after. Well, none of them ever say it really. They Kevin Kevin Lace was the next seal that we talked to this week. And he actually, I mean, um, talked about, cause you brought that up, but it was one of those things. Like, it's not just teams. It's, it's when they leave the teams, they're still that close bond and right. um, their family members when they're active sort of don't get it but they actually, he said they, they get it when they're done because then they see how involved they are, or how much they're around or how much more they communicate. Um, because you know, they might be off in Afghanistan for six months. The people at home can't see them hanging out every day. What do they talk about? What do they do? But when they get home from mm-hmm. it or when they're done with it, then they can actually see how close that unit really is. Yep. I'd look, trend, I mean, any one of their books too. Like I'm, I can, the, last to Punisher the last started, Punisher. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, or hear them speak, right? You know, these guys all will do speaking engagements. And I, I remember I saw, I listened to the Blue Angels pilot speak um, a few years ago too. It was at Rocky Hill, actually. That was, that type of stuff amazes me. You know, like that's, that's what I'm really interested in. I, I would listen to that. Well, maybe not over Brady. No, even that, the, but, well, the speech that the Admiral made, just like first, oh, first thing you do is so make good. your bed. Right, you accomplish one thing. Oh, uh, that was uh, that was McRaven. Yeah, yeah. McRaven. I mean, it's just yeah. what those guys like. It, life is about working with other people, and yep. those guys are the number one example of how to do it. So, just everybody look to them and how they do it and how they work. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody else else is going to be much better off. That's right. We definitely need a little bit more of that in uh, today's society and how the country and the world's going, but it's, I, I agree. It's like when you hear those stories and those conversations, I mean, we had a few folks come over from, uh, we went to Bryant university and they always had individuals come and speak. And it's always just, you sit there and it's just like, you sit in awe. It's like, that's the epitome of an American hero. And it's like what they have to say and like how they go about their life and every day, it's like what people should, you know, strive and try to reach for. So definitely agree the, uh, importance to that. And, um, you know, with your podcast, obviously you've had a lot of great guests, um, but every podcaster always has that dream list. You know, who are the people you'd love to have on? I mean, like we cover three different topics and we have, you know, our individual list. Some of it's because of fandom and some of it is just want to hear the story. But, you know, for you guys, obviously the podcast is still young, but who is who are the, some of those dream guests that you're like, love to just sit down for an hour or two and uh, shoot the shit. I, I see the smile over there. Yeah. No, I have multiple. I I have multiple. It's not just like, I mean, we we just said this on an episode where it was like you don't maybe you don't want to meet your heroes. Remember, there's like <laughs> yeah, that yeah. term that you have yeah, where yeah. it's like no, leave that like leave that existing out there forever. I mean, I, I you can ask this question in a few ways, right? You can also ask like we're golfers, like what's your dream foursome, right? Like golfing or what's yeah. the what's the table that you'd want to sit at at dinner, right? Like who do you want at your table? Um, you know, for me, it's probably always pretty close to the same answer. It's like Tiger Woods. I, I mean, imagine like interviewing Tiger Woods. It's just like you peel back that brain. Like I'd have to write <laughs> down a lot of. I'd have to do a ton of research on that to like get the right question. That's like a seven-hour interview. Yeah. Right. You know, yep. Tiger with Woods. all his struggles, because you, you have literally the top of the world and then the bottom of the pit too, and everything in yep. between. I mean, it's crazy. 
Yep, Tiger Woods, you know, Brady, obviously. Um, and then, and then you know, there could be people on the business side, too. Like, imagine talking to, like, Elon Musk or, you know, <laughs> Jeff Bezos or, you know, Steve Jobs, if he was still alive. Like, things like that, I think, would be crazy. And then for me, I'm a big music guy. So I've always – I'm a 90s grunge. You know, most of these guys are all gone now. But, you know, talking to um, – whether it's, like, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins would be a dream conversation for me. You know, like that's a top that's a top three in my list, and where that's the Danny might not even know what I'm talking about here. Where and you, you might not Cobain, say, Cobain. Oh yeah, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, okay, you're That'd a big guy now. But then, but you <laughs> answer. You wouldn't say Brady though, because no. that's your conversation. You that's you you do that, right? Yeah, but it it, it would be fun to have him on because you can sort of get the stories you want out of him, yeah. I guess. And maybe if you get him on, he loosens up. I mean. Being in Tampa, it seems like he's loosened up a little bit more. Yeah, um, yep. and speaks more freely. Um, Do you guys want us to call and him Cobain? Now? Oh yeah, call <laughs> like pardon my take. Did in the yeah. first couple I think, of years, I think like, Jordan would be cool. I think, oh, Jordan. I think Jordan. I, I, Jordan. I, I, yeah. I love guys like Tiger Woods and Jordan who are just so Magic freaking, Johnson. Maybe so freaking. Jordan's kind of the man now, right? That's what they say. Like everyone loves working with him now. He's like he's nice and chill. He's still mad competitive, but like everyone yeah. loves working with him. Yep. That 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 would be cool for me. I grew up, you know, rooting for the Bulls. Um, yep. You know, Bird, Bird would be cool. Bull, you know, one of those, yeah, one, one of those trash talkers. Yeah, so uh, Charles Barkley. Oh, he'd be awesome. Oh, jeez, you know, people like that. Yeah, he like would that, be great. You know, those would be probably the, you know, the dream list could get bigger and bigger as we keep talking right now. But that's, I mean, I think that we probably are pretty aligned with who we would we chum it up. So if you have any well. of their numbers, just let us know. Yeah, let, let us know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can get you connected with Bobby Valentine if you want. That was uh, Bobby Valentine as a manager. He All was, right, so Bobby V is kind of the man. He, he, he was actually, actually a like, surprisingly good interview. I was, we were surprised by that. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was in our fraternity, so he's like spilling all this shit about how Mike Holmgren was his big brother and stuff, and they're just like. You know, Mike kind of hazed the shit out of him, it sounds like. Uh, they went to USC, and he just dropped him off in, like, some canyon or something. And he's like, all right, find it. And Bobby V retelling this. He is an excellent storyteller. Right. Like, That's what he you is, want, yep. Right. He's one of the best storytellers I think we've had on our show, honestly. And he was like, you know, I guess he's running for mayor of Stanford, Connecticut now, and there's a chance he might win. Yeah, so that. this yeah. is going to be a shit show. But, <laughs> you know, and you're right there. Like if somebody um, you could be as amazing as you want, but if you can't tell your stories, you're actually not that interesting. You know, right, yeah, mean? your right. life is interesting and other people narrating it is probably pretty cool. But like if you can't deliver the message, you know, it's it's not that interesting to listen to right so that's yeah. that's another look, part look at you going well, i got i got jesus right that's philosophical yeah, yeah. i know it slap that a while, on a right? t-shirt yeah. my guy yeah. <laughs> it'd have to be a double x shirt right now <laughs> i won't be able to say it again but i'll put it on a t-shirt yeah exactly that's funny i know we've had some of those interviews where it's like you're not you're and you mentioned it before it's like you're surprised with the story they tell and you wouldn't you wouldn't expect it when you get the guest but we had the founder of uh, Untapped, you know, the beer app Untapped, yeah. yep. uh, Greg Avola. And that was like one of our moments where it's like, this is something we use every time we drink a beer, look for a beer, looking at breweries and stuff. And him just like telling his backstory, I was like, oh shit, like this is, this is pretty cool. And it's like something you use every day. Um, but it's a good segue into like what, the beer. What's, yeah. What's your favorite brewery? Favorite? I mean, 
Not like, yeah, that might have been a question we were about to ask you guys. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, we'll go first. You asked us, right. we'll go first. Tano, go ahead. I mean, in the Rhode Island area, you know, we're very partial to uh, um, Long Live Beer Works in yeah, Providence. I think that's really objectively the, the best beer in the state. Like they yeah. make, Armando does a fantastic job with, and you know, we, have, we haven't even met him because he fits that beer profile, like of the head brewer, where he just wants to make his beer and then like everyone else get the fuck out of the way. He's like, yep. I want to make my IPAs. I want everyone to stay out of my way and I'll sell them. Right. Yep. But super, yeah. hazy, because super great. hazy up there. He does a they're good job. Yeah, yeah. They're really good. Yep. Good beers. And they're- obviously the creme of the, you know, the cream of the crop is Treehouse, And it's like, you know, that's an experience in itself. I don't even like consider that at a brewer anymore. It's kind of just like that 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 fantasy up top of like you drive an hour away to this huge complex you it's can only a shining buy. beacon on a hill yeah right? you know it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like that's an experience in itself that's not even like hey you want to go grab a quick beer with your buddies and like talk the shit it's like no it's like you got to get up early in the morning you got to check what's on the list you got to see okay i have two hundred dollars to spend this is what i got to get this is yeah. what i got to pick up for mom dad brother whoever and uh you know make a day out of it but obviously that is the uh the epitome of you know craft beer in new england yep no oh, but two good choices i yeah. throw I, I throw tilted barn everyone loves the tilted barn out. i mean yeah, we just went barn. so uh, yeah we just went to the new place and i was like i was in awe i was in yeah, awe of what they did he did. I mean, did you, you, you? When you go to the new place, you can't even see where he was in the beginning, back down the road. Um, but Matt does a phenomenal job. Um, he started with the, doing a lot of IPAs, but he's branched out. They do a great. Uh, I think it's called Farm Boy. Great lager right now. Lawn uh, Boy. Lawn Boy. Lawn Boy. Lawn That's boy. a good one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They do, they, they, they're they're getting into other stuff other than IPNs. They're getting into sours and stuff now. So, uh, you know, Tilted Barn's delicious. I, and, and not. Not as close to here, but I love Bissell Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. well, yeah. now you're getting into the main. So well, I was going to yeah, say I'll throw, that's a real, real, real tips. Like I'm at home now. I, I feel <laughs> comfortable. A and real safe with this. That, so Rhode Island beer has come a long way, no question. But I was drinking this type of beer 15 years ago in Maine, right? Because we were. It's a pretty good craft. How long? That's ago how you that? got. The, that's how you got the cheeks. Dan's like waiting for that one I mean when I was in you know now it's almost like just it's produced too much it's it's you know shipyard and everything even with Pumpkinhead it's almost like talking about a pumpkin spice latte now right it's like it's like a faux pas right now but I remember when we were first doing that in Portland Maine this the city smelled like a pumpkin and we used to drink about a hundred of those every night. Ryan Reed and I at Bull Feenies in downtown Portland, and it wasn't everywhere yet. It was literally just in, you know, Portland, Maine, you know, Southern Maine area, and then it just boom, it exploded. But we already had Allagash up there, all these like great breweries. Then you know everything came after that, Bissell, right, and all the all these others that just kind of started, you know, uh, Lone Pine. All these started like pouring in like these mm. great micro brews. And then Rhode Island came to the scene, what, five years ago was really when it kind of started really heating up? Six uh, years ago? Yeah, probably. Probably like probably proclamation seven, time? Seven, ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, when like, proclamation, like, proc, I feel like yeah, that was one of the proc. big ones that got popular uh, yeah, it did. originally. Yeah. And, and proc still, I mean, that's probably one of my tops just because it's, it just fits my taste. They do lots of different IPAs, double IPAs. Like, I like their style. Shades on. Yeah, but I mean, it, it also, yeah, there's a lot of breweries in the state that do 
a lot of good beer and yeah. more than they have done in the past. But it's it's which model do you want to follow? Do you want to follow the distributing model, yep. or do you want to cater to you know to yeah, the, the, to the that room, room, the you know the, to the tap, tap room, room, to yep. the tap room, and, and making those maybe smaller quantities, but trying some different stuff and trying to you know perfect it before you go mm-hmm. to those larger larger quantities. What's our favorite beer right now, though? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a high so, life. Give me a high Miller life. High life man. Oh, high Jesus. Life. The champagne, the champagne of beers. Baby. No, you still can't. Is, you still cannot get rid of the high life. It's, you can't. It's, it tastes. It's so good when it's ice, ice, ice cold, right? Like, oh. not even refrigerator cold, like ice in a cooler cold. Those things go down so smooth. They're so delicious. And it's funny because there were so many years that I was like, a beer snob where it was like, give me the four pack from proclamation or give me it from line side or give me it from somewhere. That's what I'm going to have. I'm going to have those tonight by the fire. And now I'm buying an 18 pack. That's nine 99 at Miller highlight. And I'm like, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. Talk it's about pastor prime, man. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, I'm like, this beer is unbelievable. It's like so good. And then also though, now you'll notice people aren't doing as many IPAs and doubles. Like people are changing some seltzers, but the uh, everything Kolsch? changes. What is it? Kolsch. Kolsch. Is that what you call it? It's kind of like a lager. Yeah, Proclamation yeah, is a one. good one right yeah, now. They do a yeah, good. very good one. So there's, yeah, there, there's there. a uh, TikTok guy. Um, he makes like just reviews on craft beer and homebrew and stuff. But he recently did Rolling Rock and he gave it like a nine out of 10. He's like, this yeah. is like a solid light lager beer. And I'm like, hey, the, the mighty have fallen, but nothing beats a, a nice cold Rolling yep. Rock in the green. Yeah, model. they made him do Rolling Rock. And he's like, I don't know if my followers just hate me or they're genuinely curious. And then he yep. proceeded. Well, he, just wanted, he just wanted to do something for effect. Yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah. Put it out there and, and get attention. But oddly I mean, enough, like that's how we found him, right? He reviewed right. a Rolling Rock, came up on the yeah. For You page. We're like, oh, fuck. All right. We have so many. Now, like, so. <laughs> Years ago, it's it was hops, 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 and more exactly. hops. Exactly. How bitter How hazy. and yeah. big can we get these yep. beers? So it's only natural that you know people are going to pull back a little bit. But like, well, I mean, I, I'd like to have three, four, five. I drink one of these or two. I, I I'm done. It's a roast you know? beef sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm done. Everyone else has a roast beef sandwich like in your mouth, and that and so having a few high lifes is a, is a good. A nice like downshift uh, from that, but we missed a good one too, uh, Whalers. Because mm. if you looked at con- my consumption over the last like couple of years, playing golf, being on the golf course, out in the sun, Whaler uh, Whalers Rise is probably probably my number one beer that I've had like lots of, you know, yeah. uh, over over the last few years. I'll and, tell you what, there's a new one too. You know, Sons of Liberty, the distillery oh, yeah. down yeah. In, uh, in Wakefield. You're gonna say Chair uh, Two. Chair two is delicious, man. Yes. Chair two is awesome. You know, for Mm. a light beer, that I mean, that's got a lot of taste to it. That that they just won that award. They won the uh, the best light lager in America. Yeah, that thing Mm. is outstanding. And we We had we were at the Rhode Island Seafood Festival. That's my that's my uh, my wife's cousin. Oh, there we go. Oh Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, little first cousin there you go. right there. You got a coupon code? We were at the. Yeah. We so we, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's direct to order. I think it's mail yeah. uh, mail order lager. Yeah, he does Love a good it, job. But... I mean, their whiskey's really good, and then they had the uh, loyal loyal nine, lemonades. Yeah, the loyal nine yeah. series that he was able to do well with. But this chair, this chair two thing is like kind of like the rise mm-hmm. in that like marketing package, that branding, and he wants to go you know to the next level with it with the, the distribution all over. We've got yeah, we, an Oktoberfest on. We have a, we have a two kegs here in the office at Squad Locker, so we've got Rise and Oktoberfest on right now. It's tough to get some of these really good, like really good beers and kegs, you know, so that we can put them here because we're not a bar. 
we're in office, you know, so like we actually have to get it from a, from a, uh, you know, from a liquor store or something. So we're waiting for a couple to maybe fall off the back of a couple of trucks of some people that Dan knows. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We get a good one from somewhere. It's Rhode Island. Sometimes that shit happens. Yeah, it, yeah, it just happens. It really the wind blows and a keg ends up at your place. You're like, oh, fuck. All right. Whatever. We did talk about this. We need to brew a batch at your house. We need to do a home brew. Batch. Yeah, I haven't done it in a while. And, and do a past our prime one. Hey, well, we'll collab with you guys. Uh, we, we'll we love to we do some homebrew in as well. Yeah, we'd love yeah. to uh, hop on that collaboration. We, we just did our, uh, what are we on, 12th beer now? 13th? 12th. Yeah. So a little bit of, we did a collaboration with Barstool a couple of weeks ago. Oh, cool. Uh, the Wonton Don. He, um, yep. tweeted, he tweeted randomly a couple months ago. He was like, yeah, is there a market for breakfast beer? You know, looking to uh, have something. And we just responded like, yeah, we can, we can, you know, fuck around with that. And then all of a yep. sudden we get a follow on a DM. He's like, really? And we're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're like, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about like, we look at each other. We're like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> we're like, so oh, yeah, you got to yeah, call can... this thing, uh, like two beers and a Fanta or something like that. Isn't that one of his slogans? Oh. Like where he does like two beers and a Fanta. He has like two beers and then like one Fanta. And one Fanta. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. We, so, we we ended up calling it Don's Early Light because that's what he wanted to call it. So we yep. just like shipped him a bunch. He put it in the Barcel office. Everyone's like, "Oh shit, this is kind of good." So we're waiting yep. on his review to drop. It's been like four weeks. We had him on the show. A well, he's in weeks Europe ago. now, so he's like, yeah, he's in the come back from Europe. He's just traveling <laughs> oh, cool. the world." So, but yeah. homebrewing's fun, and uh, it's great to hear that you guys uh, might do might hop back into that. It's a uh, it's a science, but it's a it's a cool project. I'm more of a home drinker. We'll let Dan do the brewing, <laughs> and then we'll just have it once it's cold. You know, we'll take it from there. There is nothing wrong with that. Uh, guys, we know you're busy. We'll, we'll close out here. Um, before we wrap things up, who do you guys think is going to win the Super Bowl? Who do you guys think is going to win the World Series? Mm. You want to take um, the Super Bowl, and I'll take the World Oh, you want to want to swap it? Switch it up? Okay. okay. <laughs> ah, boy. I mean – I'm trying to think right now who I really like for the Super Bowl because we've had a conversation about this a bunch of times. Uh, I mean, the Patriots are probably my pick with Mac Jones now, but um, oh, I love it. My my sleeper has been the Cardinals mm. oh, with okay. Kyler Murray. That was a sleeper pick. Okay. Um, for the World Series, tip goes with his heart. Yeah, I go. I bet. I, I bet <laughs> that way too, and it's not a oh, great no. concept. We um, got some betting boys here as well. Yes, love to hear yes, that. Yes, yeah, so you can have that to your. Your, uh, your bees. The bees. The bees. The bees. <laughs> you guys have betting. Uh, for baseball, I mean, boy, there's going to be a crazy race here with the, with the uh, you know, American League East, what's happening, like with all this wild card thing, like potentially double wild cards and all this stuff going on. But like the Dodgers, the Giants, like that type of stuff, that's tough to beat. You know, like those pitching staffs are like fully loaded. Um, I'm a huge closet Mets fan. And, like, they're not going to do this year, but I've always been – I always just like the color oh. of Mets uniforms and stuff, which is a strange one. I mean, Red Sox are my team, but I've always been like – how? Like, I, I just wish the Mets were good for some reason. It's, it's weird because they beat the Red Sox, you know, in 86. <laughs> you know, that way, but, you know, I've always yeah. been kind of a little bit of a closet Mets fan. Oh, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave baseball to you. Leave baseball to me. Yeah, All right. Who's football for you? doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> it does matter. This is the time that it matters. Looking like a true football player. He's like, yeah, yeah baseball doesn't You know, I think it, there hasn't been <laughs> – You wore a Red Sox shirt the other day. <laughs> I like the Red Sox, okay, but I don't – I mean, how, do you, how, how can you watch, like, a full baseball game? 
It's just what are you doing? so goddamn You have it long. on the background. It's perfect. <laughs> 162 of them throughout the year. It doesn't even matter until they get into August or September. Have it on the so background the while you're point? drinking one of those delicious beers. Although I do like going to the games. Um, <laughs> there hasn't been a back-to-back in a long time since we did it, and if there's one guy that can do it, it's Brady. And mm-hmm. the fact that they have those th- that team back with another year of practice and offseason and, and really gelling as a team, I, I, I think they got to be the favorite. But I feel that because Gronk went on a, a show with David Ortiz and um, and Jared Carabas from Barstool a couple of weeks ago, and they're asking him about you know what he was feeling after the Super Bowl, and he's like, "Is it bad that all I thought about after the Super Bowl was like how good we're going to be next year?" <laughs> I, I'm like, when when you got a guy like Gronk thinking about that, it's something real. Yep. And the, what do they do? They brought every single person back basically. So yep. it's like I, I get that. You know, the dudes, the dudes on that squad are like. They're just so motivated right now, and I don't. Re- I don't know if anyone can stop them. I really don't. What I mean, do you they haven't lost in ten four. weeks? What do you think yeah. happens in week four uh, in in Gillette? That's a great, I don't know. I think Brady I wins that. I think. I think the Bucks I win think that. So. Yeah. What do you yeah. think? I think Brady comes in on fire. You said you said <laughs> yeah. he's like gonna scorch her. Gonna throw yeah. like seven touchdowns. That's yeah. what Dan was saying. He might hang, try to hang a fifty. Yeah. You know, like no, he uh, always does. But he's like, this might really, he might really go for fifty for once for the first time. Because it also might line up on the everything uh, burns on the yeah. record, right? The what is it? Passing yards or passing touchdowns? It might line up in the next two weeks if. You know, oh, right. on pace. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's like eight yeah. more records that line up throughout the season or whatever. It's just like, I mean, yeah, it's like which one? Time he's done when he's 55, he'll have them all. It's, I mean, it's just yeah, he, he just needs the whole breeze, like in him passing each other, which was strange because I never really, yeah, always, I never thought about breeze that way, but he, he was slinging it for a long time. That's all just going to go bloop, all the Brady here, you know, and yeah. then I don't ever see anybody catching it. But. Well, there's only, just remember this there's only one goddamn stat. That matters. Yeah, that's and true. And that's that seven that's in right. front of the Super Bowls. I mean, I mean, that's what you play for. So yep. um, you can have all these fancy touchdown records, passing yards, whatever you want, win percentage. It doesn't really matter. you got to win the last game of the year. He's won the most. Mm-hmm. Right on, right on. Well, gentlemen, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, by the way, we love Squad Locker. I mean, you know, we're going to obviously plug that along, and we have Gary coming on next week. But nice. the, oh, the merchandise that you guys create is incredible. The service on the website, the customer experience, the customer service, I mean, 10 out of 10. Um, that's why you guys are the number one rated Rhode Island uh, startup, and it's mm-hmm. well-deserved. I mean, we love the merchandise. Our fans love the merchandise. So just wanted to give you guys a shout out on that. It's some great stuff and a special shout out to uh, Erica Mason as well. You know, former coworker of mine who made this happen. Uh, you know, we, we really enjoy what squad locker is doing for uh, the Rhode Island community and everybody. So we thank you for that. Yeah. The marketing um, team's humming. They're, yeah, uh, they're, they're doing, doing their thing. So we'll expect all those reviews on all the social networks from you guys right there. So <laughs> after you get done with this, just get your typing fingers ready. Always hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, as we close out, you know, Dan and tip past our prime podcast, where can our listeners, you know, follow your content, engage with the podcast, um, and find you guys on social media. Do you want to answer? Do you no, want you, you got we're it. We're so bad at you, both you of them. We're, we're so bad at this. Actually, Max, do Not you the plug want to answer? No, we got yeah. <laughs> at past our prime show on yeah. Instagram. Max out of the woodwork. He's here. Yeah. He haven't lives. you guys realized we're, we're the talent? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. come in here. Max does the rest of it. We just sit down, do this for an hour, and we now our lunches are ready yeah. for us. Those yeah. just came in. So Instagram, at past our prime show. You know, yep. any businesses, uh, youth sports, you know, squadlocker.com. 
visit the squad locker or DMS DMS at uh, at past our prime show and uh, show you what's about. I guess we're do some team of the days, by the way. So we we need to we're we're probably four or five team of the days back right now. So we might knock a few of those down. So DMS, if you have a team out there and you're listening, we'll make you team of the day, which means you get some free free gear. Yep. Right. Well, we well we appreciate you guys for sure for taking the time of day. Your lunches are ready. Go eat. Um, I don't. I can't believe you guys don't have a beer during the show. Yeah, it's, it's one o'clock. We, we, we still, yeah, one we o'clock. still were working. <laughs> exactly. It is one yeah. o'clock. That's the point. That's I know. I know. Up on working. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're working uh, from yeah. home, so I guess they can't That's really tell on the side. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, we'll keep it. up with you Appreciate guys. It. And, you know, we're, you guys are more than welcome on, on the, you know, all of our all of our content all the time. And, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping up with the good things you guys are doing. So, Dan and Tip, thanks for coming on. Take care. Better, boys. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. See you. And that was just Dan Copen and Tip Fairchild past our prime podcast presented by Squad Locker. Hell of a conversation. Two great, great people. I mean, you could just tell that they, yeah, I think they're made for content. I really, I really do. You know, you can always say when you hear people and they're talented and you can just have the natural eye for talent, those two, I think they're a perfect combination. They have so, so much just like, experience behind them and now they've transitioned into more of a a corporate setting and they're still having fun uh i can't wait to hear some of their you know future interviews get that tom brady on the past our prime podcast hopefully beers business and balls can be incorporated to that as well but uh great interview and uh great stuff coming out of the squad locker world oh man i how cool are they i mean dan was they're they're both awesome they were just like talking shop with us and all that shit it was uh it was pretty cool. Um, I don't think it really sunk in until like halfway through our conversation. I'm like, oh my God, like we're talking to a guy that was like, he was literally blocking for Tom Brady. That's I mean, he teased it. He's like, do you want me to call Tom Brady? And then like, just like brush it over. I was like, uh, yes, yes, we would. Why, why wouldn't we? No, no, I don't want you to call Tom Brady. I don't want you to call the best quarterback of all time. No, thanks. Um, let's wrap up some sports. We'll do football first. And then we've got a bizarre scenario. Um, let's just, let's get this out of the way. We're talking about Tom Brady. He's coming back to new England. Uh, new England's one and two, the bucks are two and one. Like I, do you want to throw a prediction out there for what happens when Tom Brady comes back to new England? Cause I just think this is gonna be so weird. I mean, I think they're going to win by 30. 20, 30 points. I think this is going to be the way they just performed against the Saints. Oh my goodness. This is going to be a feast for Brady and Gronk. I mean, I'm saying Tom Brady has 400 yards, probably four or five touchdowns, two of them to Gronkowski. And I think this is going to be a bloodbath. Some of the lines right now are only like bucks minus five, minus six. Yeah, if you can find a book that gives that right now, take it and hammer it because there is like, I don't care if you're a road under. Yes, yes. Let me look up right now. It's like Bucks, Pats, minus five. That is fucked up. Let's see right now. So this is on NBC Sports. And the line right now is currently. Do, 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 I see six five and, and a half, half for yeah, five and a half. I, five right. and a half. Oh, like, God damn it. I, Literally, the money line's only I, minus 225. 
I know. Buccaneers I team this. total 27 and a half over under 49, man. This is just free money in my opinion. So this is, you, you have to almost break a cardinal rule of betting where it's like, if it's like minus 150 and above, you don't really take the money line. But I mean, this is, this is free cash. This is, and like, again, you can, Pats fans can talk themselves into it where it's like Bill Belichick can de- devise a plan to stop Tom Brady and Mac Jones, you know, no, doesn't want to be, doesn't want to be compared to Tom Brady. So he'll have a hell of a game and. Brady's coming off a Rams loss and can, you know, might be overwhelmed by his homecoming and stuff and doesn't know his reception, but I don't care about any of that. I'm just talking about talent versus talent right now. I just think the Bucs are miles apart from the Pats, Um, especially after these performances. It's like you got to hammer minus five and a half, minus six and a half on the Bucs right now. No questions. You want, no I'm going to give you a, I'll give you a score prediction because you took most of my points. So I'll just put that in the score form. It's going to be 45 to 10. Uh, yeah. And I, I think gonna, the Pats are lucky to score 10 points. I was going to say 14 and that was being generous. I think like call me crazy. I think Tom Brady's going to throw for six touchdowns. Yeah, I really do. I, I think that, and you know, we were talking about him lining up with, uh, um, records and stuff and it's like if he had i don't know how many yards he had against the rams this week but if he had you know 600 total yards he would be like the all-time leading passer or some shit like that like yeah what did we do was i think it was he needed 250 per game yeah because he was like five and change away so let's see what he did i don't know what his line against the rams was it was Tom Brady threw for 432 yards against the Reds. Yes. Yeah, so, He's breaking that record. So, yeah. So he needs, I'm um, pulling up the numbers right now. Dude, if he did that against the Rams, he's, I like, he's going to throw for 600 yards against the Pats. He needs 67 yards to break the record. I would sure hope he does that. Yeah. He needs. It's that. one of those things that, like, I, I don't even mind. Like, I, I hope he comes into Foxborough and just fucking carves it. Like, I, yeah. I really – I'm at that point where I just don't give a shit anymore. He also, Mac, needs, he also needs nine touchdowns to have 600 passing touchdowns. Imagine if he just threw nine against the uh, – uh, Dude, I, would, I, I wouldn't – I'm not surprised if he goes uh, – like, genuinely, let the record show, if he throws nine touchdowns, I, I, I think he might do it. He That'd might. be insane. He's going to throw six. I will put that on the record. I think Tom Brady walks out of Gillette 500 yards, six touchdowns. Yeah. I, I mean, there's not even like, that's not even a hot take. That's not even a hot take. <laughs> I really, I don't know. I, he's the best of all time, 44 years old and he's getting better. Like we just talked about with Dan fucking sign me up, dude. This, this he's unstoppable. He's in his comfortable territory where he did most of this stuff. Not even a question. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about stealing the show though in week three that was the kicking the kicking was off the charts we saw we first of all we started off the day with what would have been the longest field goal of all time at 68 yards matt prater gets up there and he's like fuck this i can do it you know they just came out with a video of him at the i forgot what it was maybe ford field uh doing some kicks and stuff and he's hitting all this shit and then he goes into jacksonville lines up for a 68 yarder and then gets He's, he gives up in return the longest touchdown play of all time, 109 yard return. They still beat Jacksonville, but that was a hell of a start to 
week three Sunday. Yeah, and then obviously the star of the show, Justin Tucker, um, missed one early on in the game, which was quite odd for Justin Tucker, um, but then comes out and hits it where it means the most. I mean, there is some question marks if, you know, the Ravens ran out of time in the play before. It was about a second off from where what was showing on the screen to when the play actually hit with the snap count. So obviously Lions fans are a little pissed off about that. They'll probably get a, a letter from the league saying, oh, our bad, we fucked up. But I mean, it doesn't matter. That was a heartbreaker for the Lions, especially how hard they played. Oh, um, that sucks. I know. I mean, I'm happy because I mean, the Lions were one of my wins yesterday, plus eight, you know, giving the Lions a touchdown against the Ravens is like, that was, uh, I thought free money. So they performed well, but I mean, history in the make history for Justin Tuck, Tucker, um, it's, what was it? Justin Tuck, I love it. Yeah, I mean, man, it was just like the fact that it doinked into it was just baffling. Down the pipe, hits the middle of the crossbar and just doinks right in. Oh, that was beauty. But the kickers, yeah. And then uh, the Packers game ended on, you know, they gave Aaron Rodgers 30 seconds to close out the game. And uh, Max Crosby hits the game winner on the road against San Francisco 49ers. I mean, that is a huge, huge weekend for the kickers. Dude, sleeper career for Mason Crosby. I mean, he's been like elite. He, he's, yeah, he's one of the one best of the kickers we've One of the top, with. easy. And what Tracy Wolfson, I think, it might have been, is it her, Michelle Tafoya? No, it's Michelle Tafoya that does the sideline for NBC. But she was talking right before he made the kick. And she's like, yeah, I was talking to him before the game. You know, he's not going to, he saw Justin Tucker's. He said, I can't do that. But like, you know, I'm good for 50 to 55 yards. You know, I want to put myself in a, I want to be out there to end the game. And then he fucking does it. Like that's, that's incredible. That's just mm-hmm. incredible stuff that it lined up like that. So it writes that was itself. Cool. Yeah. It writes yeah. Itself. You can't, you can't give Aaron Rodgers that much time though. That was, no. they left him too much time in the clock. He spiked it. He fist bumped. He's like, I did what I needed to do. And everyone that disagrees with me can shut the fuck up basically. Mm-hmm. So that was sick to see him finally do that. Um, last but not least, last season or last week of the baseball season and some it's getting a little messy towards the bottom of this wild card like who's going to get in who's going to get out some dude on reddit took the time to figure out how the al wild card race can end in a five-way tie and this is just absolutely absurd i don't know if you had the chance to go over this but basically involves baltimore winning a lot which i sure as shit hope do not happen um well i mean fuck it maybe it could but um jeff passender declares it'll be dead by friday um it, it just involves a lot of sweeping here and i don't think it's realistic but uh we have seen crazier shit happen so the yankees have to go one and five which would really suck i don't want that to happen either but you never know i mean the way uh I'm just like still shocked about the whole Red Sox Yankees. Like not to say my expectations were high for the Yankees, but obviously as a fan, you're rooting for them. It's like nine games left, toughest stretch of the season. You knew this coming in back in March and April. It's like those last nine games are going to mean something. They're going to mean something huge. The Yankees were 0-7 against the Red Sox in the first seven games. And then in the last 12, we're nine and three or last 11 or 12, whatever the number is. But sweeping the Red Sox 
at Fenway off of John Carlos 10 RBIs was oh. picture perfect that I have no doubt in my mind that they can go on and just sweep the hell out of the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And that's all we need. The magic number is four wins or three wins and one Mariners loss, and they are in the playoffs, which is yep. kind of frustrating that we have to like talk about the team that we have. It's like, oh, they might, they might not. I mean, I can, you know, it's not sold yet, but it's like, I feel like the Yankees are going to be in the playoffs and like whatever happens after that, it's like they need to figure that shit out. But you know, four games. That's all you need is four games. The Red Sox have an easier bit of a schedule. The Blue Jays, I mean, we talked about it last week. It's like, if they're hot, I think they can win the World Series, unfortunately enough. But right now, it's like, it's all comes down to these last three games. And it's like, honestly, they need to sweep to even carry any momentum into the postseason. I know, and they do. And I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped about the, how this team did this past week you know obviously when you go to Fenway this is the first sweep of the Red Sox at Fenway since 2015 which I thought was pretty cool mm-hmm. um we haven't walked in there and done that God only knows the Red Sox have come to Yankee Stadium and swept us a few times since then so yeah um but it was a hell of a performance know. by pitching I mean the bullpen has been nails Clay Holmes um Luis Severino welcome back haven't seen you in two years he's been Run phenomenal Araldis Chapman coming in hot um, and the starting pitching, though, I mean, Jordan Montgomery, it's like nine straight starts with like one one earned run or fewer or something or two earned runs and fewer. Um, Nestor Cortez, what a beauty he's been. That's coming out of left field, really. And then, of course, Garrett Cole, just solidifying that AL Cy Young throwing a gem on Friday. Um, but it all goes down to John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge. I mean, that duo is something we've been waiting for since 2017, 2018, whenever they you know, join forces. It's like they are clobbering the ball. They're playing at MVP level. Um, they're the keys to success right now. And yesterday's game was not pretty. There was some, I mean, Joey Gallo dropped the ball. Um, there was just some question marks. Tyler Wade got thrown out twice stealing. Like it wasn't pretty, but the job got done and we're on to Toronto. Yeah, on Toronto. Uh, we'll have baseball recaps for you next week, hopefully. And hopefully it's all good news, of course. But um, yeah, pretty excited with how this turned out. So it's game on. Game all on. right. Uh, that is pretty much our segment's positivity corner this week. What do we have? Yeah, this one made me laugh. It's, uh, it was kind of funny, but they obviously announced the Super Mario Bros. movie. Um, so I just wanted to list off the cast because everyone and their mother since the 90s knows the Mario brothers. They know Mario and Luigi. They know Princess Peach and Bowers. I mean, talk about a powerhouse. We're talking about Marvel and Disney. I mean, Nintendo was the monster. And, you know, in honor of Alumni Weekend and a lot of Birio Kart that was played at Bryant University, I just wanted to list out the cast. So for the Super Mario Bros. movie, we have Chris Bratt as Mario. Uh, Charlie Day as Luigi, Anna Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach, Jack Black as Bowser, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, a couple other, Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike, I don't know who that is. Sebastian Maniscalco? No shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek, one of those like wizard dragon things. yeah i mean either way it's like what a star-studded cast by this uh this movie that no one even expected 
to uh, become a movie. I don't know what they're going to, you know, are they just going to have like an interactive plot line where you get to choose the decisions? I don't know, but that'd be sick. I smiled and laughed when I saw that one. Um, kind of brought back some uh, childhood memories of those video games and uh, thought it was funny. I love how you preface it with like, yeah, you know, like you just said, oh, the childhood memories come back, but is it the childhood memories or Birriokart? It might be more Birio. It might be more Birriokart. I don't know. Yeah, we played Seltzeriokart or Truliokart. Yeah. Truliokart. Uh, there's a lot of variations yeah. of that you can play. I So I never had a Nintendo growing up, and that's the one thing I wish I had. Like, I there's a lot of things about my childhood that, like, weren't typical um didn't watch like a ton of movies didn't watch like star wars anything like that um all the stuff we were talking about but the one thing that i wish if i could do it again i wanted a nintendo so badly because i would have shredded up cart i wanted to be good at super smash and i never was i just could never live up to the level of like the people two three years older than us that all had nintendos um they were doing that they were playing zelda they were doing all this shit right so I don't know. It's one of those franchises that everyone looks at and goes, yep, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Mario Bros. Mario Bros. That'll be, I can't wait to, to figure out what they do there, but that is our show. That was episode 63. Um, kind of hard to believe we're 63 episodes into this. Uh, again, we have some great football coverage. Um, the Sunday spreads between Tano and Basil have been excellent, um, among many other of our house writers, of course, uh, for football. You can check them out all year on our blog. Head over our website to learn more. Of course, merch is out. We'll be doing a lot of exciting stuff with new merch in the next couple of weeks, too. So that's our show. Thanks for listening. That's Will, and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Take it easy.